conscious couples, business partners, and singles committed to attracting their dream partner, welcome to the Conscious Couples Podcast, where we share our life, love story, and combined relationship expertise to help you create and consistently cultivate the most magnificent, intimate relationship possible. Never again will you feel hopeless and alone in your intimate relationship challenges. Having accumulated thousands of hours coaching conscious couples and individuals all over the world, as well as starting and growing a global business together, Alan and I are here to guide you and all things relationships. Thank you again for tuning into the one place where it's not about you or me. It's about the the we. we. Conscious couples and individuals, welcome back to the Conscious couples podcast it is saturday night mm-hmm. we're ready to get wild i'm just joking <laughs> this is episode number 49 which is what is your attachment style we wanted to do this episode because we had an incredible relationship talks event number 19 it was all about attachment styles thank you everyone who came it was the most powerful event we've had thus far mm. which is saying something since we are definitely improving which is awesome yeah uh before we get into this episode as always thank you to next level podcast solutions for producing this show you are the best thank you thank you thank you and as always sweetheart what is your intention for this episode my intention is for this episode is for every single one of our listeners to scroll away from this episode, click away into their universe, knowing exactly what attachment style they have. So we're going to go through some characteristics. We're going to go through the different tendencies of them. And the reason why this is going to be so valuable for each one of our amazing listeners is because this is the foundation that lays every single thing that we do that we think that we say for our relationships and when it comes to love and those that believe that love should be protected this is 100% what is mapping the future for a really successful relationship or one directly away from that so we want to help you in that okay what's the name of the study that I want to describe it's the stranger strange situation okay it's called the strange situation 1970s 1978 1978 yep okay so the strange situation essentially there is a adolescent slash toddler in the room with a mother or a caregiver and there's a stranger in the room Mm -hmm. and the toddler slash adolescent is playing with toys Mm -hmm. with a mother and the stranger yep the caregiver leaves the room Mm-hmm. And then they observe how the child reacts while when they realize that the, the caregiver's gone. Yep. And then more importantly, they observe what happens when the caregiver comes back into the room. Mm-hmm. And so I'll let you elaborate on that, essentially. Yeah. So essentially, this is a study that was done in the 70s, Alan had mentioned. And the whole concept of what we know as attachment theory was really born in that Um, evolution of what research already existed, which was on John Bowlby's research. We're not going to get into that because we definitely want to talk about this, this lab experiment, which was conducted. And this lab experiment that was conducted was the foundation of what we know now as attachment theory. So if you've ever heard anyone kind of say like, oh, he's super clingy or oh, she's like, super avoiding she doesn't want to like she's she has uh trust issues or attachment issues commitment issues commitment issues right so in layman's terms there's there's a couple different attachment styles uh we at the event 
on the presentation showed the famous quote of the stage five clinger from the movie Wedding Crashers, <laughs> which is basically someone with an anxious attachment style yeah. who really is very clingy. Yes. And then the opposite of that, which is someone who has commitment issues, who's constantly avoiding commitment, avoiding right. their partner. And so there's a lot, it's kind of a joke, but that's kind of the two extremes here and everything in between. And we're going to get into what all the attachment styles are. Yes what they're born from, which is ultimately insecurity. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Go ahead. Babe. Yeah. So, okay. So essentially what you were explaining, babe, was the lab experiment where there was a caregiver and they would bring their toddler in. Okay. There would be a stranger sitting there and they would be observing how the child would play. There'd be blocks in the ground, the child's play- playing, all that stuff. And because it was a lab, what the mother or the caregiver at the time would be encouraged to do would be, like you said, walk out of the room. So in real time, the observation of the child's behavior or the toddler's behavior was, does the child notice when caregiver leaves the room? The mom would leave the room, come in and kind of look at the window. There was um, a mirror glass window, kind of like you see in like interrogation rooms and everything, where the child wouldn't really know where mom would go and how that child or toddler would respond would be indicated indicative of their temperament and their attachment style. And like you said, mom would kind of wait, see, you know, if the child would start fussy and screaming and freaking out. Or if the child was just playing with the stranger. Didn't even know didn't that even mom notice, was gone, right? right? So mom comes back in and then how the attachment was reformed or not, essentially all of that, whether the child came in like, mommy, 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 I missed you so much, like freaking out. Or if the toddler would punish the mom that would come back in yeah, by being and be upset like, and yes. play with the stranger yes. instead. F you. Right. Or could be like, come on in, come play. We were doing this stuff, mom. I'm so happy that you're back. Which right? in that case would be secure. 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 Exactly. Okay. So, so let's all get into of this, all of this is what brought the research down to developing two main buckets of attachment styles. So you're either in this study secure or insecure. And this insecure bucket is made up of three primary. So in total, there's four different primary attachment styles, according to the study. And so we can all recognize these by the different character sets that pretty much represent that. So you had mentioned the secure one. The secure one is in that that one bucket. You're secure. When someone leaves, you're not throwing a fit. So like this in, is... You almost don't even notice. And then no. when, when you come back, you just invite the caregiver back to play. Yeah. I'm playing with the stranger. You're How's not it punishing. Going? Nothing. Yeah. So that, how does this transform into like our, our real life, right? The theory of attachment says that when our first emotional bond happens is with our caregivers. And so how they respond to our needs, how they they navigate that emotional relationship when we're young, that sets up the framework, the foundation, if you will, for either a secure relationship, which was like 56% of the population, or an insecure. So one of those being either avoidant, one uh, the other one being anxious, the third being anxious avoidant, also known as fearful, also known as disorganized. So again, the stage five clinger, quote unquote, is the anxious attachment style, very mm-hmm. anxious when your partner leaves. And again, this is yep. intimate relationships, conscious couples. You take your attachment style with you 
when you grow from an adolescent into an adult. And yeah. so it typically in every relationship, you have a certain attachment style and so does your partner. So we want you all thinking about that while we explain these. Exactly. So the stage five clinger, quote unquote, is the anxious attachment style. Mm-hmm. The avoidant attachment style is the the typical guy or girl who has, quote unquote, commitment issues, yep. doesn't want to commit, has, doesn't has, like long-term planning, whatever. Doesn't like trust people Yeah, at doesn't all. trust people much. Yeah. And then you've got the anxious avoidant, which is the flip-flop yeah. of I'm anxious, then I'm avoidant, I'm anxious, then I'm avoidant, which also can be known as passive-aggressive, different kinds of stuff fear of rejection has difficulty with any of that stuff like yeah really struggles in that regard and then on top of that there's the secure attachment style Mm -hmm. which is someone who is really in a healthy dynamic relationship that can handle when people leave and come and go and that kind of thing yeah absolutely very secure so what was really interesting that i think that we we really help people to make connection in the event was like the person of your caregivers like uh, if you were lucky enough depending on your situation to have multiple caregivers that whatever one that you craved love from the most is typically the attachment style that you formed right so like i explained in the event for me my mother was always there always responding to my needs always was very sensitive to my needs so she and i formed a very secure attachment style my father being an entrepreneur, he was always away in my perception as a little girl, really out there getting it, trying to build his business for the family. Awesome. What well, Because I craved that so much as a young girl, that connection equally as much as I had with my mom, with my father, I developed very much an avoidant attachment style. So I didn't trust people. I was fearful of getting close, fearful of vulnerability, really struggled with that and actually attracted very um, emotionally unavailable men as a result after that in my relationships. So that avoidant attachment style really set the framework, like I said, the map for all of the relationships that I had. So we oftentimes find ourselves so caught up in these cycles of like, why do I keep dating the same men? Or why do I I keep attracting the same type of chicks, right? Like, why is that the case? Here comes the attachment styles. It's because of that. And we haven't moved from the insecure type of attachment styles to the secure type of attachment styles. And so we were really able to get into like a three-step fundamental of how you move from insecure attachment style to a more secure, which is what you and I have now, which I'm really grateful for. But it obviously takes a lifetime to kind of build towards that. But when you get triggered, when you get triggered, you tend to go home, quote unquote. So for me, for our listeners, when, when I get triggered, I tend to be an anxious attachment style and I tend to want to express and I want to connect with you. Right unfortunately or fortunately depending that sometimes can trigger emilia's avoidant attachment style and she wants a bubble she wants to create space because she doesn't want to hurt me or whatever when she's triggered right so sometimes the trigger my trigger going to an anxious attachment style then triggers you to go into an avoidant attachment style and if we're not both vulnerable and honest with each other where we come together, it could easily create a disconnect. Right. Fortunately, we've always kind of called it out. Right. And fortunately, you did this work long before I did. So you knew what was happening when it was happening. And right. you just tell me, listen, I'm disassociating. I'm kind of avoiding. Just give me a minute. Yeah. Like, and that kind of thing. And then I was vulnerable, luckily. Mm-hmm. Um, so in hindsight, you know, it's a lot of this work that really has helped us 
get to where we are. Mm. Uh, so before we go, because we got to jump soon, yeah, let's go into each attachment style and some of the tendencies. So we've got a, a one of the slides from our event up right now, mm. and we're going to go through each of the attachment styles because we want people to be able to self-identify. Yeah. Okay, I am secure attachment. I am anxious. I am avoidant, or I'm disorganized. Right. These are the four different ones. And again, the disorganized really is the anxious avoidant. Right. And we want to make sure that you can self-identify. The reason underneath this is because the more that you can come to know what your homeostasis is, your home to what Ellen had said, you can start to map using some of our other um, podcast episodes and some of the work that we really put out there in the world, why you might be running into things that you're struggling with or challenged with again and again and again. So like for me, for example, we'll go into um, the avoidant attachment style. If you're okay, we'll start there. Mm -hmm. So the avoidant attachment style very much has difficulty expressing emotions. I can't tell you how hard it has been just to be in a, in a relationship with Alan, not because it's been hard because of who he is. It's the most magnificent relationship I've been a part of. And I'm so grateful for that. However, I've had to evolve significantly. Why? Because emotions for me initially had a belief system underneath it that like to have emotions or to show any emotions, right? To be vulnerable equals a weakness. And so for me, I would avoid getting any sort of closeness with someone because I didn't know how to express my emotions. Hi, my name is Lynn Wynn, and I've been attending the past few relationship talks that Alan and Amelia host every single month. Um, the reason I join is I, I want to become the ideal partner for someone. I want to be able to attract my ideal partner. Um, so I attend these talks. I'm part of the community where I can continue engaging after the meetings, I can also engage with both of them and the rest of the community as we learn and share and grow together. By the way, these attachment styles are all trying to protect you from the pain of getting hurt. Yeah. So one person subconsciously avoids falling in love mm -hmm. because they're afraid their heart is going to get hurt. Yeah. The other person is trying to be anxious. Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me because they're afraid to get hurt. Right. And so both avoidant and anxious attachment styles are all a protection mechanism against hurting your own heart. And yeah. so at the beginning of a relationship, I mentioned this on the event, in the infatuation stage, you're dating, you don't really, you haven't fallen in love yet. Right. So it's like, there's not that much at stake. And so you don't get triggered. It's like mm -hmm. all good, a couple dates, everything's good, fun, fun, fun. All of a sudden you start to fall in love. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden the heart starts to go rut-row. You start to get attached. You start to get attached mm -hmm. and you start to create these attachment styles. And so I just want to make that clear is the more deeply you fall in love, yeah. the more difficult it is to not be triggered by who's that person talking to or what are they doing or right. do they love me? Are they going to want to marry me? Do they want to be with me long term? Yeah. All that kind of stuff starts to come up because you're so afraid to get hurt. You're afraid to be abandoned. Yeah. You're afraid or or you're afraid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so it's really important to understand that as the more deeply you fall in love, the more challenging it can be to overcome some of these tendencies. For sure. So to continue on to if you are avoidant, you have difficulty expressing your emotions. It's really hard. So for you to get vulnerable, most difficult thing ever. 
In addition to that, you tend to emotionally withdraw from others. So Alan had mentioned like me asking for space whenever he does get into an anxious kind of tendency, verbally expressing, wanting to like work things out together. I want to distance myself and I want to work it out by myself. Why? Because that's a lot easier, quote unquote, for me. Why? Because I can't get hurt there, right? The other thing is- And you can't hurt someone You can't hurt other people, right? The avoidant attachment style, one characteristic that is actually really, really prevalent is that they struggle to ask for help. So deeply is that struggle woven into the fabric because in many ways, as a result of having to create that avoidant attachment style, what the story, the narrative that was built at a very young age, because your caregiver that you crave the most love with was always leaving or they always neglected you in some specific way. The narrative underneath that was that you're not going to be worth someone's time or when you do spend time together, you're not lovable enough for their full attention, right? For your needs to be met. And so to ask for help, like that is a very vulnerable place because then you have to be exposed to that risk of attaching, right? And then someone may be hurting you in a more healthy, secure attachment. So if if I ask for help, yeah, I care. And now you have power or control over me because now you know I care, right. that whole thing. Yeah. So again, we can't go too much deeper because nope. we got to go soon. But but um, if you're an attachment or a, a avoidant attachment, raise your hand. Yeah. I see you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it ain't easy out here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yours, baby. Um, okay. So the next one is anxious. So this is clinginess, fear of abandonment, needs constant reassurance. What's interesting is I actually was never this way. I was usually avoidant before. Uh-huh. So I think I'm actually more of the anxious avoidant when I am triggered. But Mm -hmm. in past relationships, I was always the one who had the quote unquote commitment issues. Right. So it's interesting interesting to, you know, be on this end of it. Cool. Uh, So if you have to choose an attachment style that is insecure, (laughs) go with avoidant because the anxious one sucks. I'm just joking. Um, Don't be a stage five clinger. No. I'm joking. Okay. So, um, but yeah, clinginess, fear of abandonment needs constant reassurance. I can't even tell you how many times I've asked for reassurance. for reassurance like sweetheart i just want a little bit of reassurance here like does this have anything to do with us or yeah. like are we good yeah is the we good yeah and you'll be like yeah this has nothing to do with you i just went through something like i'm dealing with my own stuff i'm processing whatever right. insert thing here <laughs> and i also want to share this as well when emilia is vulnerable mm-hmm. it gives me so much reassurance because it's like oh that's what you're going through right okay so it wasn't it. it wasn't what I did X Y Z or said. Yeah. So it's super important. Vulnerability really is the cure in many ways to overcoming these cycles. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the last one is disorganized. Just could go quickly here. Incorporates characteristics of anxious and avoidance. These are the flip floppers. Yeah. Uh, fear of rejection, but difficulty with intimacy, low self worth. Mm. Uh, again, these are the people who are avoiding 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 and then all of a sudden overly clingy and again this can be really challenging um and then the secure healthy communication style able to ask for help when needed can self-regulate your emotions now i believe that all of us have all four of these tendencies it's just to what extent Mm. and so i tend to be if i am insecure or triggered or fearful or uncertain i tend to go to anxious in our relationship Mm -hmm. Um, but there are times when i'm avoidant as well and so this is not a black and white thing this is not an all or nothing thing this is a what tends to be your home when you're triggered and what tends to be your partner's home when they're triggered. And then how do you make sure you're not triggering each other, have one person clingy, one person avoiding, or both people avoiding. And how do you actually create vulnerability and build trust that you two can work together 
when you are triggered. Mm -hmm. Because we all know it's not the ship that never meets the storm that we trust. It's the one that gets through the storms together mm -hmm. that actually builds the trust. Right. Yeah. Vulnerability is, is such an important component to all of this because really we're shifting out of that insecurity of I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. I'm worthless. Like all of these belief systems that we end up building very young to protect ourselves. We shift out of that and we challenge the evidence that that narrative has been supported with to whatever date it is when you first meet your attachment style for the first time. Like it's almost like, oh my God, all the dots have connected. I'm avoidant. I am not in a relationship because I have been bringing my avoidant tendencies to the table. And that's maybe bought up against the anxious attachment styles. So there's so much incredible research underneath how much actually avoidant and anxious attachment styles attract each other. If you've ever heard opposites attract, yeah. that is the prime headline for attachment styles that are avoidant and anxious attracting each other. That's where that really comes from. And so when you start to see the stats and you realize, okay, a 56% of the population, according to the most recent uh, research, is secure attachment style. You realize that if you're still in the dating game, you're likely up against one of these attachment styles. And that's been really critical. And even the secure attachment styles, they have a tendency. when they get triggered and uncertain and fearful, mm -hmm. they have a tendency. And again, if you see a bear in the woods, you're not going to be a secure attachment style. <laughs> so I think it's important to yeah. realize that we all have insecure moments yes. about money or about love or about their job or their career or COVID. Or, so yeah. life has uncertainty inevitably. How you react to that is always going to be insecure, quote unquote. So right. it's important. Okay. Uh, we got to jump. We got to jump. Our next relationship talks event. First of all, thank you so much to everyone who came to the ah, 19th that one. Was amazing. Yeah. Our 20th one is going to be a little bit more based on fundamentals, but yes. definitely something that's super important. So 20th uh, relationship talks event we've ever done 20 months in a row. Mm -hmm. February 9th, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The link will be in the show notes. It's going to be dialing in your love languages. Mm. A lot of couples that we meet have evolved over time and what they were doing to meet each other's love languages in the beginning has evolved. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we take you through an exercise where we go through the love languages. We teach you what they are, what they mean, how they are, and then what ones are the most important to you. Yeah. Because most of the time what you'll find is that the most important love language either was beneath the radar of the person who it's actually their love language or their partner. Right. Emilia and I have our top cup fillers, our top love languages, and we literally have it on our whiteboard in our home yep. to make sure we never forget how important foot rubs are. <laughs> <laughs> foot rubs is her number one. Um, oh, but so seriously, I'm being playful, but honestly, they're a game changer. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so important. And it's like foot rub happens, the whole world is amazing and it's all good things. Um, seriously, it's just a big deal. I'm and pretty so, basic. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, but that's important. And sorry for airing your it's top okay. love language it's out. Okay. But if you want to understand what these love languages are, foot rubs is one of them. I'm joking. Um, but if you want to understand what they are and what your partners are and what are the top three, we're not going to have, yes, we have 25 conscious love languages, right. but there's most likely three that are really critical in your relationship. We're going to help you dial those in. Mm. And uh, so join us. Mm. The link will be in the show notes. Mm. To that end, Alan and I make sure that not only are we doing monthly free events for you, for our community to make sure that you can grow, honor and protect your love, really get that relationship insurance that quite frankly, no one else can really offer to you. When you think about like 
what we're doing. Every single Saturday, it's Saturday night right now, and Alan and I are recording this for you guys. We also make sure that we allocate 30 minutes on our calendar during the day when we're nice and fresh and ready to serve you. So if you're someone who believes that love should be cherished, should be honored, and really believe that it should be protected, and you've struggled in any regard, anything having to do with relationships, please book on our calendars. We would love to meet you. This is completely private, completely free, safe space that's judgment-free to help you get a little less unstuck from wherever you are. And this has been so cool to be able to meet our community members, like listeners, we've had them book before and been able to meet them. It's just been so rewarding to see like, even in that 30 minutes, like they didn't know what to expect and they left so fulfilled and so excited and hopeful for the future because we actually got to talk about the things that are so taboo in most cultures. So the link will also be in the show notes for that book on our calendars and we're so excited to meet you. And so if you've never done therapy or relationship therapy before, it's such a positive thing. Ours is actually more coaching. The difference between therapy and relationship coaching is that we're going to help you achieve your dreams together. Mm -hmm. So not only are you going to basically um, talk about the things that need to be expressed, be vulnerable and learn, but you're also going to learn about your future and we're going to help you actually achieve your goals together. Most couples don't achieve their goals together. And the reason why is because they aren't talking about them. And that's what the difference is between therapy and coaching. I've done some relationship therapy in the past with a past partner Mm -hmm. and it was actually super helpful. The coaching piece is that, but more aspirational, more goal oriented. So Mm -hmm. that's what you can expect. We hope to have you book on our calendar. Okay. uh, We got to jump. So as always, it's not about you or me. It's about the the we. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Conscious Couples Podcast. We love connecting with the Conscious Couples community, so please make sure you follow us on Instagram. I am at Evolve with Amelia, and Alan is Lazarus 88 Also, if you or your partner resonated with this episode, leave us a review at the link in the show notes, and please share this with someone you love and care about. Until next time, remember, it's not about you or me. It's about the we.